I know the, uh, the song Brother Daniel sang tonight. I know that song very well. I heard it from Lester Roloff, I think, the first time I ever heard it. And uh, I stole the words really quick just in case I missed something because uh, I'm going to use that here in just a moment. But grab your Bibles and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15 is a fantastic chapter in the scriptures. Uh, it starts off giving you the gospel, uh, which was preached by Paul. Of course, it's summed up in verses 3 and 4, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Then it goes into a, a lengthy discussion of what would happen if Christ be not raised and how our faith would be in vain and our preaching would be vain and everything really we have is vain if Christ didn't come up from a grave. Right. Then you get to verse uh, number 20 and he says this, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. I look down at the end of the chapter, we know, very familiar spot, but uh, look down at verse number 45, we'll start there. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that, uh, that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, I did you a favor. I only read that section. I didn't read a whole chapter, all right? Uh, we read less than 58 verses, okay? Uh, but the truth is, the entirety of this chapter, as Paul is talking and as he's writing to the church at Corinth, he's working through and he is showing something. You see the word shall show up over and over and over and over throughout the entire chapter, especially here at the end of the chapter. But throughout the entirety of the chapter, Paul is saying, this shall happen and this shall happen and this shall happen. You know what he is? He is certain of what he is talking about. 
And there are some certainties throughout this chapter that Paul is is purposely penning the way that he is, and he's letting you know this shall happen. Uh, And so tonight I'm going to preach on the certainty of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, This is a certain chapter, and it is a certain It is a certainty that these events will take place exactly as penned. Uh, I think it's amazing. Uh, I I referenced just a moment ago uh, Brother Daniel singing, of course, uh, deeper than the stain has gone. And he got to verse 3, and I got thinking about verse 3. And then he got singing verse 4, I got thinking about verse 4, and then I got thinking about this message. And he said this, uh, the song goes, All unworthy we who've wandered. And our eyes are wet with tears as we think of love that sought us through the weary, wasted years. Yet we walk the holy highway, walking by God's grace alone, knowing Calvary's fountain reaches deeper than the stain has gone. He started off, uh, the first verse that I read uh, there, verse 20, 21, 22. You know what he's talking about? He's talking as an Adam all die. He talks about the earthy man, the natural man. The one by nature you and I are. And that one is destined for death, for just mortality. It's the physical. It's the life that you and I have. It's tainted and corruptible. It's the life that you and I had before we ever came across the Lord Jesus Christ and before He ever reached down in love and saved our soul for all of eternity. As an Adam, that's everybody who's, uh, who's ever breathing a breath. You and I, you know, we have, we have as an Adam, all die. <laughs> We have a death sentence. We have the sentence of death in ourselves. Over and over. You and I cannot trust in ourselves. Uh, the de- death is going to come. It's appointed on the man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Death is appointed for every man who's ever breathed. Since the fall of man, we are destined to die, and as an Adam, we're all going to die. But then he makes that second statement so in Christ shall. <laughs> There it is. Certainty. What will happen to them? Shall all be made alive. Life for all of eternity. And God makes sure to make the contrast that without Jesus Christ, you and I are dead in trespasses and sins, but alive in Christ Jesus when we trust in Him. He says, and you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. He says that back in Romans. To make sure that we understand we had death and we were not alive and Jesus Christ had to quicken us. He had to make us alive again. And we got salvation. We got the certainty of life for all of eternity. And the whole last portion of this, of this chapter here, uh, Paul makes certain. And I just, I just want to have some fun tonight and talk about the certainties that Paul lays out for our future. When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, God gave you some promises and He gave you some surety right here in this chapter especially that we go to and we look at that one day when with holy choirs we're standing in the presence of the King and our souls are lost in wonder while the white-robed choirs sing. Then we'll praise the name of Jesus with the millions round the throne. Praise Him for the power that reaches deeper than the stain has gone. Uh, One day you and I will be standing in front of the creator of the universe and we'll get to be able to proclaim how great he is because of him saving us for all of eternity. And so tonight, I just want to remind you, we've got a great promise and it is a certain promise and it's found right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's go to Lord in prayer and uh, I don't want to be real long. 
but I, I'm excited tonight. So, Lord, I do thank I do I thank you for letting us come. I thank you for letting us meet freely and be able to open up the Word of God and sing praises. And Lord, I pray that you would be pleased tonight with everything that's been said and done. I pray that you would be pleased with the message that's preached tonight and exactly how it's done. Lord, I pray you'd give me wisdom as I speak and give me clarity of thought and mind that you would be able to bring forth the words that you want said tonight. Lord, I pray it would be an encouragement, exactly that, an encouragement of us. Lord, that are saved, knowing that one day a trumpet will sound, and one day you, and I, you are going to call us home, and we are going to be changed for all of eternity. And Lord, I pray that you would help me to convey the thoughts you've given tonight in the best way possible. And Lord, if someone here doesn't have that promise, because they've never taken the promise of God that you would save them to the uttermost, I pray they do that tonight. And Lord, once again, we pray you'd get the praise, the honor, and the glory. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So here we are, and he's going to lay out some promises to the Christian. Those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, he has made some promises. Uh, there's, there's those that are in Adam, and that's, that's earthly, that's natural, that's who we are. But then there's those who have gotten in Jesus Christ and are saved, and the Lord has made them some great promises, uh, exceeding great and precious promises even. And I think this is a great listing right here uh, that Paul makes sure that you understand are certain certain things that are certainly going to happen. And so he's particular about what he says here. Notice what he says. Uh, we'll pick it up in verse number uh, 51. He says, Behold, I show you a mystery. Some people, they get confused about this. <laughs> but we shall not all sleep. <laughs> we sh but we shall all be changed. Uh, number one, I want you to understand, well, not all of us are going to sleep. Say, well, what does that mean? Well, if you were to go back to early in this chapter, we don't even have to leave the chapter. We go back to the beginning of the chapter, right? He gives the gospel that Christ died for our sins in verse number three. And then he rose again the third day in verse number four. And he was seen of Cephas in verse number five. Then of the twelve, after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. They're still alive. But some are falling asleep. The Christian, God doesn't deem them dead. He deems them sleeping. You know, you and I, we may not end this earthly life. We, we, may, not, we may not finish our course because God cuts our course short here in just a moment. Uh, we recognize very quickly. You realize we don't all have to die. Enoch is the only type, he's the only picture uh, to the man who doesn't die, never dies. But the church, if a trumpet sounds today, you and I, uh, we never die. <laughs> we don't go through the process of death. We shall not all sleep. <laughs> uh, not everybody that's in Christ is going to go take a nap for a little while until a trumpet sounds. Instead, they're not going to put you, uh, bury you and go ahead and put you to rest for six feet under. Isn't it funny? They say that, well, we laid him to rest. Because he's just sleeping. Because one day he's going to wake out of that sleep. And I'll get to that here in just a minute. Ooh, I gotta, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Uh, sleep throughout, throughout the gospel, throughout uh, the Pauline epistles, especially as you're looking at the church, you see that reference to sleep. Uh, he talks about it when he talks about the Lord's Supper. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you. Why? Because they ate unworthily. They didn't take care of their sin and they went ahead and they, they took lightly what they were doing when they were taking the communion. 
And he says, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and some sleep. They're dead in this life. Why? Because they chose not to go ahead and do what they were supposed to do, and he had to go ahead and put them to sleep. End their life in this life. You know, it's an amazing promise. You and I don't have to wait till we're dead to be able to go home. That's amazing. It's certain, by the way, that there's going to be somebody still breathing and still having their heart beating in their chest when a trumpet sounds and we get called home. There's somebody, somebody's going to be there. Why? Because we shall not all sleep. The promise is God's coming to people who are still alive. That means you don't have to wait. You, you don't have to wait till you're dead to see him. You don't have to wait till the process finishes. That's a great comfort. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He says in verse number 52, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. Uh, there is nothing that's stopping a trumpet sounding. They, they can try all that they want to. Uh, the world can go ahead and try to do whatever it is they want to do. The devil can try to do everything he wants to do. Everybody can try and stop this thing from happening if they'd like, but nobody's stopping it. The trumpet shall sound. There is nobody who's going to stop God's timetable. You and I, we may doubt the, the coming and when it's going to take place. And is he coming today? And could he come today? And I don't know. I mean, things are a mess and he still hasn't come. And where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And the scoffers are there. You know, the scoffers aren't stopping him either. You can think that he's not coming and someone can go, well, you know, I mean, he hasn't come yet. Yeah, but that just means he hasn't come yet. That means he's still waiting. And what's he waiting for? I don't know. Say, are there prophecies and things that he has to fulfill and things have to come to pass before he sounds the trumpet? Zero. <laughs> There's not one thing in that book that you can find that he has to have happen before he sounds a trumpet. It's ready to go. So how do you know that? Because Paul said it could happen today. Paul, Paul was looking for his coming. Isn't that what he was doing in Timothy? I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day only, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. He's looking around going, I'm waiting for it. He's coming. It's imminent. It was imminent in Paul's day, it's imminent today. He can come whenever he'd like. And there's not one person, not one being, not one anything that can stop Jesus Christ when he wants to sound a trumpet. Uh, he says over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you know the spot, verse 13, he says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. How about that? That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. A lost man has no hope. Death is the end. Sealed their fate. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus. They're just sleeping. Will God bring with him? For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. 
And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, I find amazing that whole passage right there. Shall, 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 shall. Paul, when he gets to the topic of the rapture of the church and you and I leaving this place and the day Jesus Christ is going to come back for his own, he is so certain and he is so particular that this is going to happen. He never has any doubt in his mind. And he's penning those words and he's going, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. You know what's amazing to me? The Lord isn't waiting on anybody else. He's going to do it himself when he's ready to do it. I love this idea. You know this thought, uh, there's just some jobs worth doing yourself. You ever heard that? There's just some jobs you don't leave it to anybody else to do. You don't hand it off and delegate that one. That one I'm taking care of myself. Why? Because if you want a job done right, do it yourself. Right? If you want the job done the way you want it done, well then do it yourself. You don't have anybody else to blame but you. I'm particular. I'm particular about my electrical work, in case you're wondering. I think Mike's pretty happy I'm particular about my electrical work. Uh, why? Because we don't like houses burning to the ground with electrical fire. So I'm particular. Uh, you know, I had, I've had people there helping me. They've done certain things, uh, you know, and it gets, it gets to certain areas. Someone's skinning out some outlets for me and taking care of that. I'm good with that. Don't touch my switches. <laughs> Why? Because if you wire that thing up wrong, it's going to take me 20 minutes to figure out one switch and what in the world you just did to me. I'm going to be mad by the time I'm putting switches in. I'm going to be all confused as what somebody else did. Say, so what do I do? All, those, all the switches in his house, I've skinned all of them out. They're ready to go. How I wanted them done. Say, so why? That way when I walk back in the house with all the sheetrock up and everything's ready, I walk in there, you know what? I'm not asking anybody. I know what was done. I know how it's done. You know, Lord's got, he's got a day and a time, and he's got a moment that he knows he's going to go ahead, and he's going to look over, and he's going to say, okay, guys, it's time to go, warm it up, warm it up, we're about to sound off a trumpet, we're about to have a shout, because I'm coming down there myself and going to get my own bride. And there's nobody else I'm going to send. I'm not sending anybody. I'm going to go ahead and take care of this myself. He came down here to take care of your sins himself. And he's going to come back and take care of his church and bring them home by himself. He doesn't need anybody else to do the job. He goes ahead and takes care of it himself. And he's going to be sure that a trumpet's going to sound. And you can guarantee when the Lord promised that he'd do it, he's going to go ahead and take care of sounding a trumpet. A trumpet shall sound. And there's no question about it. It shall you get back here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and he says this in verse number 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put an incorruption, this mortal shall have put an immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Uh, you know what's amazing to me? He says the dead shall be raised incorruptible.
Now we go ahead and we can go back and the idea of corruption, sin corrupts, right? It changes the morality and the standing. That's corrupting. But you know what else corruption means? It means to rot and to spoil. What is that? That's a body in the ground. Corrupted. Now we go ahead and we try to do everything we can to prevent that from happening, right? We seal it and put it in a sealed box to put it in the ground to keep it from... Doesn't stop it. It's already been corrupted. It's corruptible man. You go back to Romans chapter 1 and they try to go ahead and change the uncorruptible God to an image like corruptible man. And the four-footed beasts and the creeping things and all those things in Romans chapter 1. You know, what's amazing to me is that God goes ahead and says, you know what I'll do? I will take the corruptible and I will make it incorruptible. You know what I'll do? I'll take all those people who have slept in Jesus Christ, all those people that you know and I know, all the loved ones that you have seen gone home to be with their Savior, all the ones who have passed on before you, all the ones who have paved a way for you and I to go ahead and have a King James Bible, all the ones who have gone ahead to make it so you and I would have liberty to be able to preach the Word of God, all the ones who have laid the foundation so that you could go ahead and step a little higher in your walk with the Lord, All the ones you've watched go ahead before you and step off into eternity. You know what the Lord says? We are not as others which have no hope. I'll make them incorruptible here in a moment. You think of all the people you love that have stepped off into glory. And you're waiting. And you know what they're waiting for? They're waiting to wit the redemption of the body as well. They're waiting when God will go ahead and take that corruptible and go ahead and change it to incorruptible he goes ahead it's like changing a set of clothes for him he goes oh let me get rid of those and i'll go ahead and give you my incorruptibles you know what's amazing about that that twofold meaning you know what you have he gave you eternal life when he raised you from the dead he's going to give you eternal an eternal body it can't be corruptible it can't rot and it can't spoil it's incorruptible you know what else is amazing about it It's also incorruptible because it can't be changed in its morality. Say, what's your problem? Your problem is you're a sinner. That's your problem. Our sins separated us from Him. And you know what God said? I'm not going to let you separate from me ever again. I'll give you a body that's incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away. I'll go ahead and set you up for all of eternity where you can never fail me again. You and I today, man, I fail him all the time. And I look around and I think, Lord, why do you even bother with me anymore? And the Lord says, don't worry, I'll fix that here in a little while. I'm going to sound a trumpet because the trumpet shall sound and I'm going to make you incorruptible. And we sit here in in our corrupted and our failed and our frail and our weak, pathetic bodies that we're in. And the Lord says, don't worry, I got a new one. I got a new one, and it'll never be corrupted. It'll never be corrupted. You'll never have to worry about decay and breaking down ever again. Your body will never fail physically, but also never fail you in your sin ever again. 
O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, corrupted. And the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory. He removes the judgment that you and I should have. He removes the corruption that you and I have been subjected to. He removes the corrupted that you and I have dealt with for our entire lives. We have no idea what it's like to not have corruption around us. And God says, don't worry, I'm going to eliminate all of that and I'm going to put you in an incorruptible body, in an incorruptible place with an uncorruptible God. We all knew that right when we got saved, right? No way. He just goes ahead and says, I knew I was going to do that. Don't worry. You'll never fail me again. You'll fail me in this life, but don't worry. There'll come a day. There'll come a day when although those that have slept in Jesus get raised and he gives them an incorruptible body, He not only does that for them, He does that for you. Incorruptible. Unable. Unable to be corrupted. I can't can't even fathom that. You think about just the things you've thought today. (laughs) Just, Just the times you've messed up today. And the Lord says, you'll never do that again as soon as I sound a trumpet. Incorruptible. Not only that, he says in verse number 51, he says this, We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. You know, if you don't sleep, (laughs) doesn't matter, you're still going to get changed. Say, what happens to me? Well, this corruptible puts on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal verse 54 shall have put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory not only did he do that for your incorruptibility he did that to remove your mortality and give you immortality Now, if you and I were stuck in this body right here and God gave you immortality, that'd be awful. That'd be terrible. Things still breaking down. I mean, eventually you just be, I mean, it's just sad and pathetic as it is. Give it another 2,000 years of you breaking down the way you break down right now. Well, I don't even know what you'd be. He's merciful, so you know what he did? He said, I'll make them incorruptible first. There's an order. I'll make them incorruptible first, so that when I make them immortal, they won't ever break down. It won't be a problem in this life. I'll go ahead and take care of them for the next. I'll set them up with incorruption and immortality to make it so that they can live forever without ever having to break down or fail. The mortal puts on immortality. Look over at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just a few pages over.
He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Paul's going, hey, our mortality, that's a known fact. And it is certain that while we are here in this body, we are absent from the presence of the Lord's face. You and I aren't looking face to face at our Savior. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. You and I walk by faith and not by sight. But the day that a trumpet sounds, you and I no longer walk by faith. It is by sight. You get to finally see the one that has saved you for all of eternity. And he's confident and willing. Paul's willing to what? To give up this life to go have that one. Because it'll be immortality. In an incorruptible body. Look over at Romans chapter 6. Now I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> this isn't just an entire uh, build you up message, all right? I want you to think about something. We're getting there. Romans chapter 6, look at verse number 8. You got salvation right before that, right? He says in verse number 8, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Immortal. Death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. You realize Jesus Christ, the reason he gives his life, he, let, he lets himself be subject unto death for but a moment. And then he reclaims that throne. And he takes the keys of death and of hell and he steps right back out the doors and says, nope, I'm leaving and none of you can stop me. And he's never going to die again. That's immortality. That is what he's giving you. He's given you immortality and one day a trumpet will sound and you will be incorruptible and you will be immortal. Just like he is, look over at Philippians chapter 3. First, or Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to go right to the end, verse 20. 
Philippians 3.20, For our conversation, our manner of life is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're looking for Him. To do what? Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. Amazingly, he's going to give you a body fashioned like his. A body that is incorruptible and immortal and do all a whole bunch of other fun things. But then he makes this statement. Whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 again. Now, Paul lays some things out here earlier in the chapter. In verse 22, of course, we had, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Our salvation. Then he says this in verse 23, But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. You know what shall happen? You know what's going to happen? You know what the last part of the promise is? That it has nothing to do with you and I. You and I, we get incorruptibility and immortality, and we have a promise that a trumpet shall sound to let us get off the face of this earth and make sure that you and I are secured forever. Yes, that is amazing. That is not God's end game. God's end game is that He shall subdue all things. He is going to be the God that is sitting upon a throne. You realize 1 Corinthians 15 lays it all out for everybody. Christ the first fruits, He goes up. Then they that are Christ that is coming, rapture the church. Then He's going to come down and He's going to take the kingdoms of this world and they're going to become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. He's going to reign for a thousand years. And then he's going to subdue the last enemy, death. He's going to subdue the last one. And when he does, he's going to make sure he's put all things under his feet. He's going to go ahead and prove to the entirety of his creation that he is God alone sitting upon that throne and there is no other. He is going to go ahead and prove that the devil is just that, just a little lying, cheating, thieving, wicked, vile, nobody that he is going to bring down and the world will look at him and say, this is the one that deceived the kingdoms. <laughs> this is who made us to tremble. You know, the devil is a mighty and a powerful force right up until he's compared to the God of the universe. 
Then he doesn't look so big. He's going to go ahead and he is going to subdue all of the worlds in the universe. He is going to go ahead and melt it with a fervent heat because he's decided he's done with it. He's going to purge it all and go ahead and put everybody in front of him on a great white throne and he is going to bring judgment and pure righteous judgment to step off into eternity. And he will have subdued. The judge is set. The judge is there and he is sitting upon a throne and he is the judge of all the earth and he will do right and he is going to judge and he is going to show that he is king of the universe, king of kings and lord of lords and he is undisputed. And when Jesus Christ is finished, all that God has asked of him, he's going to hand everything right back to the Father. You say, do you understand that? About as much as I can. The Godhead has been working separately for over 6,000 years now in its parts to do what it does. And at the end of time, Jesus Christ is going to lay all the glory back to his Father and join him. And he's going to become all in all. He'll be right back together with his Father. The unity of the Godhead will go back together because he's proven who he is and who deserves all the glory, who deserves all the praise. You know what you and I are going to do in our immortal, incorruptible bodies? We're going to praise the one that sits upon a throne. And for all of eternity, you know what you and I get to do? Praise him for saving somebody who is so unworthy of it and should not be there. He's going to allow you into his sinless heaven and praise him with an incorruptible body and hand you immortality and you and I will never have to worry about failing him again. And for once, we'll finally get to praise him out of a pure heart with no deceitfulness and no guile and no, and he'll be worthy of every moment of it and you and I will finally have figured it out. He ends this chapter and he says this. He says in verse number 38, uh, verse number 57, sorry. Verse number 57, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gave you a great victory. The promise is a trumpet shall sound and we shall be changed. We will have immortality and incorruption for all of eternity. Therefore, my beloved brethren, now be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know what our today is about? Our today is about the same thing our eternity is supposed to be about. That he'd receive all the glory and all the praise because he is worthy. He is not more worthy the day that he has subdued all things 
He is just as worthy today to receive all of the glory and all of the power and all of the things that you and I are supposed to give him. It doesn't change just because he hasn't gone ahead and subdued everything because you and I know better. Because he saved us. And we ought to be looking for the day that he does sound a trumpet and you and I get out of here and it is certain we are going to go. But if we're so certain we're about to go, it be about our Father's business. He's worthy of all glory. It's right above me. And it's not going to change just because he took everything and made it so that it was right. Because <laughs> he's already done it for you. We're not as others which have no hope. Why do Christians live like they're hopeless? Why do they live like they can't do anything for him? That they're so helpless and so hurt and so damaged and so broken. And I don't mean that as, well, you haven't been through anything. Of course you have. But it's that we continuously use those things as an excuse not to gain our victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. To be able to do what he asked us to do and make the changes he asked us to make. That in all things he might have the preeminence. Because one day Jesus Christ is even going to subdue and hand everything right back to the Father to give him all glory. Don't you think we ought to do that today? Let's go ahead and stand. It is a certainty. It is a certainty that we shall not all sleep. It is a certainty that a trumpet shall sound. It is a certainty that we shall be changed. It is a certainty that the dead will rise. And it is a certainty that Jesus Christ shall rule. And he'll subdue all things. But does he have you? Are you willing to subdue to him and let him be your Lord and let him actually run it? Or are we still so consumed with ourselves that he still doesn't get the glory he deserves from somebody he's already saved? He's coming. He's coming. And I can't wait till he comes. But sometimes it's scary to think how I failed him right before he's going to sound a trumpet. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Father, I thank you for the night. I pray you would bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen.